Let me sing you a song About the people that I love The poets and philosophers Workers and the wanderers Hi, this is Joe Jenks, and you're listening to My Highway Home, celebrating music, art, culture, and community from the driver's seat. This week on My Highway Home, I have an interview with Marge Young. She has been an Uber fan over the years, following my career for more than two decades and never missing a show in the Seattle area. This last fall, I gave a concert in Seattle, and she was not in attendance. I knew that something was wrong. I contacted her son and found out that she was in hospice, late stage with cancer. I went to visit Marge in the nursing home and brought with me some recording gear. I asked her permission to record some of her stories and ideas from 80 years well lived. She was delighted to share her thoughts and her memories, and I am delighted to share them here with you today on My Highway Home. She was born in 1940 in Seattle, Washington. It was a time when ethnic Chinese were barred by the Chinese Exclusionary Act of 1882 from owning property, from becoming citizens, or voting, and in other ways participating in democratic process. Marge lived a life that transcended the evolution of these attitudes into being a medical scientist, a mother of four, an engaged community citizen, and a lifelong supporter of the arts. It was my honor to call her friend. She passed away on December 19th, 2019, six weeks after we had this fabulous conversation. This episode will also feature music from Maria Dunn, the Lucky Sisters, Ellie Grace, Zoe Mulford, Hans York, Priscilla Herdman, Dave Gunning, Bob Beach, Windborne, Heather Pearson, Christina and Quinn Bichand, and Tara Howley. How are you, Joe Jenks? <laughs> <laughs> I am okay, Marge right. Young. Okay. Ready so to go. <laughs> on the 12th of November, 2019. Um, um, thanks for doing this. So, where were you born, Marge? I was born in Seattle, Washington. I was born in the back of a Chinese hand laundry in the University District at 9 p.m. and it was Friday the 13th of September. What year? 1940. Wow. And did your parents own the laundry? No, they leased it. This is back in the day when there was a Chinese Ex Exclusion Act. Chinese could not own any property nor become a citizen. Yeah, they were not allowed to own to property. own the property, but they could, could lease it. Wow, and did they live ab above the laundry in the they same They lived space? in the back of the laundry, yes. Yeah. That yeah. was the way of the Asian lifestyle, to live in the back of your business, whether it's a laundry or restaurant or whatever business grocery what's your first like if you think about early memories what are among, among your earliest memories did you, did you also grow up in that neighborhood I grew up until five years old so I I oh we lived just off the avenue we were at 1313 northeast 43rd 
But I just knew that the little street in um, in the back of my house, you know, I had my little tricycle and I'd go up and down the little ramps and that was my life, this little half of a block. Well, one day I decided I'm going to take my younger sister, she's 13 months younger, on an adventure. So I put her in a red wagon and I had the nerve to walk to the avenue, which was a half block away. Once I got there, I was lost. I've never seen an avenue full of people. I was used to my little backyard. And so, in a panic, I started to cry. And people flocked around me and said, oh, what's the matter, little girl? They finally called the police. And the police, in whatever manner, de determined that I belonged to the Chinese hand laundry. So they brought me back there. And I was so relieved. But my father, he was outraged that I would have the audacity to leave our little area. Hmm. And as punishment, he tied my wrists to the stairwell. The, the Newell, and that's my first memory of living wow. in that house. <laughs> Not the best memory, but it went to show what an authoritarian father that my dad was. And uh, how many siblings do you have? I have two brothers and three sisters. There's six of us children. Of course, Wig Luke is the oldest, and he was born in China and did not come to the United States until he was six years old. And from there, the next 10 years, five children were born. And on top of that, Wing was the one who named each one of us because my parents only knew Chinese names and they needed a, quote, American name. And mm -hmm. so he provided those names. He was 15 years old when I was born. I was next to the last. And 15 years old, he was listening to opera. In fact, I am named after one of the heroines in uh, the opera of Faust. Gounod's Faust. Gounod, yes. yes. So I'm the jewel queen. Wow. And it was your brother who named you. Yes. That's remarkable. So you said he was six when he yes, came to the yes. United States. Uh, was he staying with your grandparents? With my mother. My mother stayed behind. Oh, your mother stayed behind. Yes, because, as I said back in the day, this is very hard for immigration from China. But fortunately, my father being a laundryman was considered professional. So yeah, respectable work. Respectable, not a coolie. So you were born in 1940. When did your mom come over? 1930 31. or so? 31. Yeah, and she would have come with your oldest brother. Right. And wow. the thing about Wing was, during the time they left, this is a village uh, south of Guangdong. It was called Yen'an. 
anyways it was flooded as often these villages are and wing was like three feet tall and, and the water was like two and a half feet tall so he left the village riding on the back of a water buffalo that's how the the villagers saw him off until he reached higher ground I imagine he would have had some pretty vivid memories of that. Oh, that, yes. That, that would leave an impression on a young person, Certainly. I should think. Yeah, wow. And so can you list the names of your siblings? All right. After Wing, there was Connie. Now, where she, did he get a name of Constance? I mean, it's not Dick and Jane and that kind of choice. <laughs> so there was Connie, and then there was Ruby, named after the birth month of July and then my second brother Robert now I don't know the history of Robert nor nor of Betty I was too fascinated to find out how I got my name I never thought to ask so that's the extent of what I know well okay I, I qualify that I did not go to school until first grade because my sister was in kindergarten. They didn't want me to go off kindergarten by myself uh, without my sister. So the two of us started school together. So I skipped kindergarten. I went into first grade. Betty went into kindergarten. When I got to first grade and I sat at this desk, which I had never seen before, and I saw letters written on my desk and the teacher told me that is your name that's the first time I heard my name was Marguerite and I was so fascinated I just loved the whole scene you know room full of kids you know a teacher books I was fascinated but then I learned my sister Betty in kindergarten was crying up a storm and so they brought her up to my room and when I saw her crying I started crying Aww. so the two of us left left school on the very first day of school my, my father had to take us home, home in a taxi so hmm. crazy start Love's my 
your husband, Jack, John Allen Young. How did the two of you meet? Oh, well, we met at the University of Washington during spring quarter, and we both took sociology statistics 101. And he sat, okay, it was a room with at least 100 students. So there were these long rows, 10 rows. Anyway, the first row, Jack sat in the, the corner, the left-hand corner. And, and I sat uh, one seat behind, but three seats over. I mean, one row behind. And when he came walking in, I looked up, I said, that's an interesting character. He had a pack of Chesterfields rolled up in his sleeve. And I said, he looks kind of bohemian. Now, to, to <laughs> me, bohemian is kind of like a beatnik. I mean, that's how yeah. I, I would define. And so I said, hmm, interesting character. Okay, so sociology class went on. There was a quiz every Friday. And on Monday, the professor would pass back the quizzes in the order of their grades. So, so all the A's got passed back first. He started to turn around and said, who's getting all those A's? <laughs> and then one day we had a, a, um, a, a event outside, that is. We all got in a big circle, and our assignment was to cross that circle and interview somebody, at least two people. So, of course, he came over and interviewed me. And then he said, want to go for a Coke at the Student Union building afterwards. So that sort of began a mutual interest society. And But I, I knew right off the bat, I said, interesting as he looks, I don't think this can go very far. I mean, I was thinking way ahead. I said, if we ever had children, you know, the Chinese people would not like that. And he being Caucasian, his people will not like that. So I was kind of determined, keep it on a platonic level. <laughs> but we dated for six years. So some of it complicated. Wow. Because he was in the the school of architect, but he dropped out. Uh, it just wasn't his his thing, and he went to work for Boeing quality control. So he was sent to um, places like Utah, Arizona, you know, where the silo missiles were. But he'd come back every six six weeks, and then we'd go out and have have some fun but you know I had to keep him secret from my parents they would not approve so I, I would sneak out at 10 o'clock at night and he would park nearby and I'd jump in his car and then we'd go off driving somewhere wow. <laughs> wow. so anyways over the years I found him to be a fascinating person a real person of integrity, and he, he asked me a couple times to marry, but I, I couldn't think of leaving my my parents. I was helping them out in the grocery store. They really needed my help. Yeah. And yeah, so 
I didn't see a future in that, although we, we kept friends. Oh, one of the neat things. Jack was the first person to give me a dozen roses on Aww. my 19th birthday. How I, sweet. I was so shocked. In fact, I bet my parents were shocked to see some flowers arriving for me, and they had no clue who sent these. But yeah, that I'll always remember. But you knew who sent them. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who can tell when in love you finally fall? Some live in vain and never love at all. But as lightning strikes or as a small insistent voice. If we are blessed, we will hear and heed the call. Give your love and never count the cost. Lose your heart and never call it lost. May your love be a shelter to the ending of your days. Love is all that is and all that ever was. May you
He had proposed to you a couple of times. Yes. Um, how did the conversation evolve then to eventually deciding to marry? Well, I finally decided, as I said, what a person of integrity, what a person I could talk to, you know, a person of humor. So I just discovered all the wonderful qualities he had, and I decided I'd be a fool not to marry him. And by that time, I had grown some backbone, you know, about what people thought of us. So what year did you get married? 19, okay, October the 1st, 1966. So you would have been 41. 26, 25, 26. I guess, yeah. Okay, 26, yes, 26. Yeah. And you had, been, you had been dating for six years at that yes, point. Yes, yes, yes. And um, how, did, how did your parents feel? about this by time I mean presumably they had met Jack by that point no they never they never had no they may have suspected something was up okay how did they know I finally told them I said I'm getting married married and they were sort of stunned and so they didn't have anything to say so I thought okay I've been helping in the grocery store I've been working full-time at the UW, and, you know, I, I'm taking charge of my life. I decided the best thing for me was to move out of that, of their home. Mm-hmm. And so I moved in an, an apartment uh, with a friend of mine, a girlfriend. And uh, t- two months later, I got married, sent them an invitation. They, of course, did not come. My mother would have loved to, but my father never. And the thing was, I lived on uh, at 9th and James Street. Mm-hmm. It was a grocery store with a house next by. And two blocks away, or two and a half, was St. James Cathedral. Mm-hmm. That's I had my wedding in the chapel of St. James Cathedral. They could have walked there, but of course, they did not. Oh. <laughs> and did they eventually uh, come to accept Jack? Did they, they e- eventually embrace your, through your grandchildren? Yeah. It's grandchildren that brings you together. Yeah. Yeah, so... I have been told that grandchildren have the power to to soften even the most hardened of hearts. Yes, yes, that's how it happened. Get up in the morning, tell me, what can you do To keep on moving forward after all that you've been through You kept that broken heart of yours beating through the night So get up in the morning and get ready for the fight Get up, my sister, rise up, my brother Stand up, all my neighbors, and hold up what you love Rise up from your troubles and face another day I know your path is rough and rocky But you'll slowly find your way To a place a little clearer To a heart open wide Rise up from your troubles And see what's on the other side Get up 
my sister rise up, my brother stand up, all my neighbors and hold up, watch your love stand up. When you stumble and the world has knocked you down, see the hands reaching for you to pull you back around to the ground that is steady to the road that leads you home stand up when you stumble and know that you are not alone get up my sister rise up my brother stand up all my neighbors and hold up watch your love hold up Watch your love, for it is what will carry you Over windy and wild waters It will keep your compass true In the night be your north star In the day be your sun Hold up, watch your love Until the long journey's done Get up, my sister, rise up My brother, stand up all my neighbors and hold up watch your love get up my sister rise up my brother stand up all my neighbors and hold up watch your love rise up this is joe jenks and you're listening to my highway home on folk music notebook so after you got married where did the two of you live we lived in a log cabin Lincoln Park, Lincoln, Lincoln Beach, West Seattle, because Jack was this adventurous type. He liked to rent these unusual places, so he rented us a log cabin as our first home. <laughs> and what sort of work did Jack do at that point? Oh. Was he still with Boeing? Yeah, quality control. Yeah, and you worked at the university. You were in the sciences? Yes, I got a degree from the UW School of of Education. I had a biology degree. It took me five years to graduate because I could not decide, you know, what to major in. But I finally got my biology education degree, but I did not go into teaching. I went into laboratory medicine instead. And what that is, is you you take serum samples and you assay them. You find out what their levels of antibodies or whatever it is you're searching for. I found that work suited me so much better. Mm-hmm. So working both part-time and full-time, that's what I did for 27 years but there was a hiatus where where my children were born and right. growing up right yeah. and uh, and the children uh, you have four children is that right yes yeah so my oldest uh, John was born in uh, July 17 1967 two years later Joe was born June Fourth, nineteen sixty-nine, and then two more years later, February twenty-second. Jack's brother James was in the war. Mm -hmm. We were uncertain if he would ever come back, so we named him after James. 
So that was my third son. And then four years later, Jade was born uh, December the 6th. 1976. What was it like? I mean, so much had changed between when you and Jack started dating right. in the early 60s yeah. to when these kids were really growing up yes. in, in the late 60s and early 70s. Yes. Uh, and Seattle had changed so much. I mean, even if the rest of the country hadn't changed yes. entirely, Seattle itself was, I think, uh, you know, th there were so many more immigrants that had come from so many more places yes. by that time. Do you, were there ever moments that were difficult for you raising children that were coming from these two different cultures and no. ethnic backgrounds? Surprisingly, I did not have problems with, with attitudes anyways, any that I ever noticed. I mean, everything I feared did not come true. And by then, I think I had enough backbone to, you know, say, you know, what I'm doing is, is correct. Yeah. Yeah. You had the opportunity to push back a little bit yes. the confidence to do yes. so. Right. And it, when you and Jack were first married, when you yes. were together, uh, do you feel like you experienced any overt kind of racism toward you for being married to a man who was Caucasian or he for being no. married to a woman who was no, Chinese? No, if there was, I didn't notice it. But yeah. then I had grown up with, with prejudice. I, I recognize it. I ignore it. You know, you know, by that I mean I push it out of my mind. So yeah. I've kind of like inured myself to that kind of treatment. Yeah. So if I see it coming, I just turn the other way. Yeah. So, and it, you know, when you grew up, uh, you said until you were five, you were at the laundry in the university yes, district. Yes. Where did you move to when you were five? Where did the family okay. go to after that? The war ended in forty-five. The landlady tripled the rent. We had oh. to move, and of course, we couldn't own anything. So we moved to a laundry on First Hill. Ninth, Ninth and James. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the place that your parents James, were living yeah. when you got married. That was two blocks away from St. James. Yes, yeah. that was a laundry, and so we lived in the back of the laundry. And here again, my father did, as he did with the first one, he built the the back portion of the laundry into bedrooms, and kitchen. So he was quite talented carpenter yeah, not only industrious that, besides being a laundryman his very first job he had a little hole in the wall restaurant because his father was already here so he worked for his father and then he opened his own little probably five stool <laughs> a restaurant uh, hole in the wall and from there I don't know his history, other than he eventually became a laundry man. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we got to moving there in 45. So let's see, at least five more years later, across the street from the laundry was a grocery store, and next to that was a house. And, and in, in the next few years, my parents managed to lease that grocery store and the house. By then, see, I was quite young, 
I didn't know if we could actually own. We did actually own it over the passage of time. That's right. After the war, all these rules, you know, loosen, and we could become citizens. We could own. So that's what happened. Yeah. So were you a citizen before you and Jack got married? Well, I don't know if just being born in the United States in I'm I'm sure the war had everything to do with with what constitutes citizenship. Yeah. Because I I can't say I was a citizen off the bat. Yeah. Did yeah, and did your parents ever become citizens or did they just remain yeah. legal residents? No, they eventually became citizens. Yeah. And did you know any of your grandparents? No, never. Did they all were they were they all, all stayed in China? In China. And what was the name of the town that that your that your parents well were it, living in? It's when? a little village, and this is only what I've learned. And and the name is Mandarin. It isn't what other people call it. I guess it's called Yan'an, and it's in southern China. And there's there's all sorts of directions of how to get there. And what what province is that in? Guangdong or Canton. Yeah, and and which what would be the nearest big bigger city. That would be Canton. Canton. Guangdong. Guangdong. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where all the rice farmers are in, in that area.
I'll make them welcome. Offer them release. Offer them atonement and pray they may find peace. Give them your blessing, but do not let them stay. Beat on the cans and the pots and pans and send them on their way. Build up the bonfires, now the season's turn. Welcome in another year and let the old one burn. Build up the bonfires, light the candles bright. All the hungry spirits will be coming by tonight. Build up the bonfires, now the season's turn. Welcome in another year and let the old one burn. Build up the bonfires, light the candles bright. All the hungry spirits will be coming by tonight. And have you, over the arc of your life, have you had occasion to go back to China? Yes, we went back twice yeah. to meet the grandson of my father's number one son. My father was number four son. And of course, grandson of number one gets to an Inherit. Inherit everything. Yes, so this right. would have been your first cousin. Yes, right. Yeah. And it was only through an interpreter that we could talk to him, of course. And did you grow up bilingual in the house? Did you grow up speaking yes, one of the dialects was, of Chinese? Yeah, I was very good. But once you get to public school, you want to be like everybody else. Right. So that's when the change came. Yeah. And did you stay fluent at all throughout your no, adulthood? No, because I had no one to speak to. I did not mar marry Chinese. Yeah. I did not want to be Chinese. Yeah. You know, so among my friends, we all spoke English. No. So we know that uh, your friend Keiko was here the other yes. day and we were talking. Uh, and she was sharing a story about... Um, many years back being reunited with a, a woman who had ended up in one of the uh, internment oh, camps yes. who was teaching her older siblings right, right. Uh, during the war and she wouldn't have been old enough to be in school at the time but right. um, there was a lot of ignorance in American yes. society at the yes. time a lot of xenophobia a lot of fear a lot of racism and while it was overtly aimed during the war at people who were Japanese, um, it, it does seem like many people who were Asian but not Japanese, sort of carte blanche, were treated pretty poorly, treated differently. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious what your first memory is of, of recognizing that difference and, and having an awareness of, okay, I'm not being treated the same as other people. I was only you know, a very young, you know, born in 40, and the war lasted till 45. So I had no awareness of people's attitudes at that time. It wasn't until I was in elementary school that I experienced any racism by teasing from the other children. Hmm. But then I, I developed sort of a thick skin, and I would just turn away and... Ignore. Yeah. And what um, what was high school like for you? Did you did you date Wonderful. in high school? Did you no, I have a rich social life? Or? No, I was a wallflower. 
That's so hard for me to imagine. You have, yeah. in the years that I've known you, always been such a vivacious and gracious and outgoing person. No, no, no. Our school, Garfield High School, was one of the best because it was kind of uh, integrated already. It was one-third Caucasian, one-third black, one-third Asian. I mean, we, we were so comfortable in our own little United Nations, which was our high school. In Seattle, mm -hmm. he was born on Queen Anne Hill, you know, of a Catholic family, mm -hmm. of course. I was surprised to find out that you got married at the chapel at St. James at the yes, Catholic Church, yes. even though you were not Catholic, because many times Catholic priests would not marry someone unless they converted to Catholicism. Well, um, it so happened, Father, let's see, Hayatsu. Japanese, uh -huh. he allowed it, and and Jack's brother became a priest, so they concelebrated the wedding. Oh, that's great! So yeah. they they co-celebrated. And was there an expectation that your children would be raised Catholic? If you there was a married? hope, there was a hope. <laughs> uh, and and did any of your children follow their no. father's path? No, and that's perfectly fine. Yeah. As I said, they grew up with a Taoist uh, way of thinking. Yeah, with Taoism. Yeah. Taoism. So, 
to me that that's equivalent. Well, not equivalent, but well, it's it's a it is a philosophy is and a set of ethics that help yes. guide one through life. Right. And um, uh, uh, of the Taoism of the Chinese philosophy that right. you were raised with, um, what are some of the ideas that still stay with you from that? First from of that all, you view you respect your elders. And then you do unto others as you you would have them do unto you. Hmm. So basically it's be kind and be useful. <laughs> Serve others. And what was your mother like? Oh, she was so wonderful. She took on a lot of burdens. She was the sister of eight brothers back in China. But... Three of them died of, of starvation. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was that bad back there. Wow. But, you know, she had experience, you know, having all these, these brothers. She was loving, forgiving, and, you know, type of mom everyone should have. Oh, that's great. <laughs> right. And uh, it sounds like she pretty thoroughly embraced... Oh, your yeah. children and being she a grandmother. Yeah, yeah. Right. And do your children have memories of her? Did she live oh, long yeah. enough that they got to know her as they got older? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they have. Yeah. Yeah. When when did she pass? Do you recall? Seventy three, June of seventy three. She was only sixty seven, I believe. Uh, believe. Yeah. And when did your father pass? 83. He, he was in a nursing home for the last 12 years of his life. Yeah. Yeah, he was a tough old bird. <laughs> and was he older than your mom or were they Oh, the yes, age? that's the way it was. You know, you, you come to the States, you establish yourself, you go back to China, choose a wife. Of course, always younger, younger to, to raise a family younger to to help you in your old age hmm. which seems like a good deal for the guy but maybe not such a good deal for the woman <laughs> i agree but <laughs> <laughs> wow but wow. you know it is what it is that man over there says that women need to be helped into carriages and lifted over ditches and to have the best place everywhere well nobody ever helps me into carriages or over mud puddles or gives me any best place and ain't I a woman and ain't I a into barns and no man could head me and ain't I a woman and ain't I a woman I could work as much and eat as much as a man when I could get it and bear the lash as well and now ain't I a woman and ain't I a woman 
seen most all of them sold off into slavery and when i cried out with a mother's grief none but jesus heard me none but jesus heard me and ain't i a woman Women can have as much rights as a man Cause Christ wasn't a woman Cause Christ wasn't a woman Where did your Christ come from? Where did your Christ come from? From God and from a woman God. So what led you into the sciences when you were looking because at what to study at the university? In high school, I loved biology. I loved my biology teacher. And I sort of, in the back of my mind, said, I want to be like her. So, but it, it's the interest in the, the details of human life, you know. What's, what's it like to digest food? <laughs> that kind of thing. The acquisition of knowledge. Yes. Yeah. And um, so you went from getting a bachelor's in biology, is that Yes. Right? Biology education. Biology education. And then you went into laboratory medicine. Yes. So laboratory sciences. And was that the primary, you know, and you said that you took pauses when you had children. But, oh, yeah. Uh, after you had children and after Jack had passed, um, that was your primary career, was back in laboratory sciences. Yes, it was. Yeah. And all of it at the university, or did you work for private companies? Or? Always at the university. Yeah. Wow, so there's a big portion of your life, both your education and your profession, your, yes. your career, that revolve around the University of Washington. Exactly, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's so amazing for someone like myself who lives such an itinerant life. Oh, yeah. You know, to imagine so much of one's life just being geocentric, not just to a region or to a city, but to the campus of one university. I think that's, that's extraordinary. What, I think that's what life should be about. I believe in uh, choosing a career and sticking with it. Yeah, well, clearly I do too. <laughs> Just True. chosen one that's that's pretty yeah. far flung. You have almost never missed a concert that I've given in Seattle oh. since we met each other. Oh. You have seen me in larger concert halls. You've seen me in house concerts in people's oh, homes and yes. churches. You have come to see me in any number of uh, places like the Finney Community Center. Oh yes. Um, what what first sparked your love of music? Well, first of all, I like classical music, best of all. But I also recognize music that I enjoy. I mean, it doesn't have to have a label on it, but I just enjoy your type of music. I mean, you know, I'm not going to go to a rock rock concert, anything of that nature, but yeah, your your type of music is pleasant to me. Well, it's uh, it's been a joy over the years to 
you know, have this friendship with you, uh, you know, both through our shared connection to Catholicism, right. uh, but even more specifically through your connection to the music, music. <laughs> and your love of the music. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's been great. Uh, you know, so as we, as we sit here in this room um, and you are facing your own mortality. Yes. I have to say you are one of the most joyful people <laughs> I have ever met at the end of your life. <laughs> there is so much gratitude in you and it radiates out of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was here to see you the other day, I left here feeling like some burden had been lifted. Really? I, was, I was so afraid to come see you because I wasn't sure how I would find you, if I would find you, you know, if you were oh, drugged yeah. out and you would be kind of right, you know, right. a little out of it. Or, you know, and I was so delighted to walk in and find you absolutely mentally sharp and crisp as, as you uh-huh. have always been, but in such a joyous mood. And um, I just... I'm curious to ask you how you feel at this point, more emotionally or spiritually, as you know that you're sort of in the end phase of your of your time here on Earth. Like, where is it that you derive this immense gratitude that seems to radiate from you? Okay, since no one has been through this yet, so they don't have any experience, I would say... I've been surprised at my life these past few days. I have come to relive my life through people's stories and through just even seeing their faces. It's like reliving the best parts of my life. And it's always been happy thoughts and memories. So so I'm getting a lot out of it. Yeah. What are some of the things that that you that you do feel grateful for? Because, it, like I say, it just it radiates off of you in a way that surprised me. You know, you you have always been such a tender presence in my life, <laughs> and I'm I'm clear that that must be true for many other people that have known right. you. Uh, but as as you sit here, what are some of the things that you feel grateful for? Well, I feel grateful that my children have all ter- turned out to be the wonderful people that they are. In fact, I'm finding how more wonderful they are than I had even imagined. So I have the gratitude for that. I also have uh, regrets. I feel I had the best husband ever, but I don't feel I was the best wife ever. So to to my regrets, I I I owe Jack my apology hmm. because you know when I look back on it, it's been frightening to be left with four children and not know what the future is all about. But in looking back, I said I think that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't warranted. <laughs> what would you do differently? If you had that to do over again, how would I you would spend relate more time to Jack? More time with him, because I I didn't realize till now how long a journey it is to the end of your life, and and I kind of fought against that with Jack dying in the hospital, and yet here I was at home trying to keep four kids together, 
So it was kind of a, a rage against God, saying, <laughs> you know, how could you do this to me? So I've been having to, to let that go. Yeah. It seems like you have more than made up for whatever lack of charity may have lived in your heart in that in that one moment. Um, you have put so much beauty and joy into the world. You have given <laughs> so you. much love to so many people. Thank you. And uh, I'm I'm so glad to hear that some measure of that is coming back to you now as you yes, it is. as you sort of consider and ponder. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, the 80 years that you have lived. Right. 80 remarkable years. This is Joe Jenks, and you're listening to My Highway Home on Folk Music Notebook. Where do we go beyond the day? There's no good reason to be afraid. We all must stumble along the way to whatever way. Beyond the day Into the night with candles dim And followed by an autumn's wind Each flame flickers before it fades As it gives all it takes Where do we go beyond the day? Their place for us beyond the grave. Heaven knows, no one can say where we go beyond the day. There's a feeling never near that every change comes to live in fear. The generations have felt this way Though we're here together All the same Where do we go beyond the day? Is there a place for us Beyond the grave? Heaven knows No one can say Where we go Fall for nothing falls here If what we're missing's everywhere And everything along the road Within the sun That sets to gold Where do we go beyond the day? Is there a place for us Beyond the grave Heaven knows No one can say Where we go Beyond the day Where do we go Beyond the day Is there a place For us Beyond the grave Heaven knows No one can say Where we go beyond the day Where we go beyond the day Where we go 
what was the pathway for you from um, the sort of ethical Taoist background that you came from into choosing to become Catholic? What, what drew you into the Catholic faith after Jack passed? Well, first of all, when Jack passed, he was visited by a very compassionate priest. His name is Father Tony Haycock, who was priest up on Queen Anne Hill. Mm -hmm. He came out to, to visit Jack during his dying days and brought him communion. And I was impressed by the effect, the calming effect that these visits had on Jack. And when I look back at it, I said, I want that for me. Mm. But it, it's not only those incidents. Father Tony Haycock is a very unusual, very compassionate person. And so he was kind of a friend. He influenced me to, to become Catholic. And that was um, 38 years ago? Yes, it Jack was. Passed? Yes, yeah, I think you right. mentioned that. What has that faith meant to you in the last 38 years? Well, it's meant I have a life to look forward to and that, you know, that I can find some peace in reaching the end of my life. There's a train coming Don't need no baggage You just get on board All you need is faith To hear the diesels humming Don't need no ticket You just thank the Lord For the train to Jordan Picking up passengers from coast to coast Faith is the key Open the doors and boredom There's hope for all among those love the most Throw. So people get ready 
there's a train a coming. Don't need no baggage, you just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesels humming. Don't need no ticket, you just thank the So you have uh, several grandchildren. I have five grandsons. Five grandsons, from, all grandsons. From three families, yes. And uh, so Joe and James and Jade all have children, is that right? Yeah, you got it right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. and um, as you look forward, um, if you could imagine yourself 10 years or 20 years forward, mm-hmm. what what would you like them to have learned from your life? What would you like them to take with them over the arc of the next 30 or 60 or 100 years that that they might be around? I hope that they grow up to be people of integrity, responsibility, compassion, and just continue what they are doing now, Guy. I think they've gone down the right path. When the days of life are thinning And the world is past its prime Look around, see how you're living Do not be a slave to time Slave to time, oh my father, oh my father, do not be a slave to time. When the land becomes the ocean, and the stars forbear to shine, Do not say we had no notion. Do not say we had no sign. Oh, my mother, oh, my mother. Do not be a slave to time, oh, my mother, oh, my mother. Not be a slave to time. Do not say we had no notion. Do not say our eyes were blind. We ignored all the commotion. It was poison. Oh! 
but be slaves to time, O oh, my brethren, O oh, my brethren, do not be slaves to time. Now the western sun is sinking on the cold horizon line. Do not ask what we were thinking. Do not be a slave to time. Oh, my children, oh, my children, do not be slaves to time. Oh, my children, oh, my children, do not be slaves to time. Oh, children, oh my children, do not be slaves to time, oh my children, oh my children, do not be a slave to Are there any particular memories that you have from when your own children were growing up that just, you know, strike you as um, either funny or poignant events that really stand out for you in the experience of parenting? Well, well I'm glad they got to be the independent people that they were. I mean, they had to take on a lot of responsibilities themselves, uh, such as, you know, operating a paper route, you know, they had to stick with it, you know, show their responsibilities. So it's been good watching them grow up. Yeah. And did they help out a lot around the house when they were growing up? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, well, okay, everybody had their chores to do, but, you know, I wasn't that good of a uh, taskmaster, I should say. Well, it seems like you chose a different path, which was being very loving. <laughs> and I, well, I, I think that's um, there's this phrase: uh, you catch more flies with honey than with oh, vinegar. Yeah. And, uh, at least in the years that I have known you, you have been all about the honey. <laughs> well, see, uh, because of my parents father's authoritarianness, I made a vow to myself, I will not interfere in my children's life. I will let them do what they need to do. So I've, I've stayed out of any conflicts. I need silence so that I can hear the music. And I need darkness so that I can see the light. See you. 
classical music i know this Uh, every time i come in here you're (laughs) listening to symphonies and listening to concertos and things on the radio um do you have any favorite composers that's hard to say i like a little bit of everybody yeah but it's because of wing his interest in classical that that i decided that's the route i want to go yeah was he a musician he could sing (laughs) yeah he he didn't. Uh, Wing, your oldest brother. Oldest so, yeah. brother. He didn't formally play any instrument, but he would give it a try on the bagpipes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was known as That's very gregarious. <coughs> and like when the let's see, prime minister or whoever of Sweden came, he learned this the Swedish anthem and sang it to him. He's that type of person. In, oh. in, on, on every St. Patrick's Day, he would be singing Danny Boy somewhere with a group <laughs> of people. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah, but yeah, he, he attended a lot of musicals, and he would come home singing the aria. So it was very impressive. Did you have um, a favorite musical or one that comes comes back to you sometimes that you sing in your head? West Side Story, South Pacific, Oklahoma, My Fair Lady. Those are all my favorites. Hmm. But I think West Side Story. And what about West Side Story speaks to you? Well, it's the interaction of race acceptance, compassion. It's just an exploration of your passions. Well, it seems like um, that musical would have hit pretty close to home for you, uh, having married uh, someone outside of your ethnic enclave and having to wrestle with you know, the the expectations right. or disappointments of families. Yes. Um, so you mentioned that your father was disapproving of yes. this such that they didn't come to the wedding. Um, how was Jack's family in, in terms came. of welcoming you? They came. Yeah. Yeah, they were very welcoming.
Were there any foods that your mom made when you were growing up that you she, still think about? She made the most delicious dish of vegetables, just all assorted vegetables. I, I could never match her. <laughs> the way she made her food yeah that's what I love the most that she made what was unique about her vegetables well first of all and soups it contained Chinese ingredients that I had no knowledge of but you know she brings us back from China and buys it at the herb shop you know I have no inkling of how to buy this stuff but yeah it's that unique uh, Chinese taste. Yeah. And what about her soups? Did you have a favorite soup that she made? Well, I love oxtail soup. Also, yeah, we made special pastries at New Year's time that, you know, she taught us to make. They were like little dumplings in, in, inside of a potato wrapping that were savory, they're salty, and fried. And then there was um, another uh, rice ball, rice with a Chinese red bean inside. And then there were other flour, flour mixtures with, with shrimp and, and vegetables that would be steamed. So yeah, the, the special New Year's um, foods were wonderful. Hmm. That's great. And you never, you never studied. I did not. How she cooked. Well, there is something that's made every um, June. It's uh, a dumpling. It's wrapped in uh, banana or tea, ti tea leaves, and it's twisted and tied up. Very distinct. It's for the Dragon Boat Festival time. But yeah, that's a unique type of food that we used to make and steam. And I and my sister and brother, Robert, made it one time. It was so much work, we've never done it again. <laughs> I mean, we had to figure out all the details that she figured out for us. But yeah, thinking back, Chinese cuisine, that's my all-time favorite. Were there dishes that you did cook when your kids were young that were specifically yes. Chinese food? Hambao. And describe that. What is? Okay. What, I mean, I've had it, but I couldn't describe okay. it. Okay, it's pork-filled bun. Mm -hmm. It's a yeast bun um, made out of yeast and uh, filled with uh, barbecue pork filling, usually and steamed yeah that, that there's that and then there's a, a sweet dessert it's called tapioca mm -hmm. you know instant tapioca that's all it is is almond flavoring sugar water tapioca and you steam it and it becomes a sweet chewy uh, treat in latino latina culture uh, particularly Mexican culture, but some other cultures. Yeah. Uh, the Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos, uh, mm -hmm. the, the passage between Halloween and yes. All Saints Day, um, is a time of honoring the ancestors. Mm 
Yes, um, and I understand that in Chinese culture there are there are particular festivals or days of celebration that are about honoring the ancestors. Right. It's Memorial Day, uh, you know, in that era, and it's called sweeping of the graves, sweeping of the graves. So they visit their ancestors. They bring offerings, that kind of thing. Yeah. Not that I did that myself. Yeah, well, so I was curious. I mean, obviously, there's this this shift when your family comes from China yeah. to the United States. Um, right. You can't go to the graves of the ancestors to That's sweep right. them. Did you have, uh, which in a way represents a certain loss of tradition, but at the right. same time, did did your family in some way honor that, honor the the ancestors? No. Because first of all, we were never introduced to them. Yeah. So, how could you even start? <laughs> yeah. And how would, speaking of honoring the ancestors and honoring, you talk about Taoism, one of the values being honoring your parents. Right. Um, those of us who will remain here after you're gone, how would you like us to honor you? <laughs> What can oh, we do in your memory? Just be kind to each other, I guess. I mean, of those people I know, they're already doing it. So. Amen. Well, thank you, Marge, for letting me talk with you oh, today. Well, Thanks thank for being you. willing to share some of this. There are some stories here that I think would just be marvelous for the people that listen to my radio show. Oh, Is good. It, do I have your permission to of use course. a few of these stories? Well, please do. Yeah, I, I would. That's part of what I would like to do to remember okay. you, is to share some of the wisdom of a life well lived. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. You've been listening to My Highway Home with Joe Jenks, celebrating music, art, culture, and community from the driver's seat. This week's episode featured an interview with Marge Young of Seattle, Washington, supporter of the arts, humanitarian, and venerated elder. This episode of My Highway Home also featured music and songs from multiple artists, including Take It Easy On Me, Maria Dunn, All That Is, the Lucky Sisters, Up, Ellie Grace, Welcome in Another Year, Zoe Mulford, Brilliant Life, Hans York, Ain't I a Woman, Priscilla Herdman, Beyond the Day, Dave Gunning, People Get Ready, Bob Beach, Slave to Time, Windborne, What I Need, Heather Pearson and Bernice Martin, Lockerbur Badger, Christina and Quinn Bashand, Tessie's Treat, Tara Howley. Special thanks to Marge Young and her family, Charlie Pilzer, Tonal Park, Maryland, Alicia Healy in the Winter Blue Room in Seattle, Washington, Wes Waddell, Lisette Nenninger, and to all of the musicians, and of course, to Ron Alesco and Folk Music Notebook. All interviews, copyright 2020, Joe Jenks, Turtle Bear Music, My Highway Home.